The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Donovan here with the beautiful Jennifer Donovan. We are on the road. Special name because you're the ace of podcasts. What is mine? Well, the, the ace of podcasts is us keeping it strong style. That's not my nickname in general. Oh, uh, are you serious? Yeah, this whole time I thought the ace of podcasts was your name and young boy was Josh's. Uh, keeping a strong style is the ace of podcasts. Oh, I'm still a good wife though, right? Yes, you you are. I didn't know that. <laughs> yes, well, then we need to give you a nickname because you know I always fondly describe you as John Dress, but. Most of your fans don't know what that is, although they're missing out on the world's best wrestler. <laughs> so we need to have a nickname for you. And then for me, of course. And I can use this. Well, I, I don't know what, I don't have a nickname for that. I don't think it makes sense right now. Um, what do you mean it doesn't make sense right now? I don't have one that makes sense. Maybe that should be one of the next polls that you and Josh do on your show is what should your nickname be? I still think you should be the ace. <laughs> like that's just my name? Yeah, the ace. <laughs> You're the ace of podcasts. Um, the ace podcaster. No, that gets a little too convoluted. What was the cool name that we came up with that I said I liked? The son of... Oh, oh the sons of Ming. The sons of Ming. We need to have something as awesome as that. Okay. Well, we'll keep workshopping that. Okay. Maybe that should be the next poll, the Q&A that you have people write in and respond to. Okay. So we, like I said, we're on the road driving back from the petrified forest in the painted desert. And we just listened to this week's episode of Keeping It Strong Style with the young boy, Josh Smith, and... Dr. Joshi, James Boyd, filling in for me. Wait, what? What's his name? Dr. Joshi. Dr. Joshi? Yes. What is that from? So, Joshi is what you call Japanese women's wrestling. Wait, uh, so he's a Japanese woman wrestler? He is not a Japanese woman's wrestler, <laughs> but he has a big knowledge in Japanese women wrestling and has become a huge fan of it. Ever since we saw Stardom live in New York during WrestleMania weekend, April of 2019. Um, and so James has just done a lot of diving into the Joshi world and they cover Stardom every week on Nation Radio. Um, Stardom is the, the top women's promotion in Japan right now. Also owned by the same company that owns New Japan, Bushi Road. And they're getting ready to do some more crossover stuff. Uh, but James actually hates the nickname Dr. Joshi. Oh, he didn't pick it? No, we, we have crowned him Dr. Joshi because of his knowledge, love, and passion for Joshi wrestling. Uh, but he does not think he's a doctor of it, but we do. So we call him Dr. Joshi. Well, it could be like an honorary doctorate. Yes. Like all those actors get from the universities where they really don't mean anything but it's just a nice ceremonial piece of paper right okay yeah so um so yeah that's the whole the background on 
James took name, Dr. Joshi. But yeah, they James came in and filled in for me this week while we are out here in Arizona on our honeymoon. And all the guys did a great job. They reviewed uh, this past Monday's uh, big show from Sumo Hall, Declaration of Power. Um, so, Han, what, what did you think about this week's Keeping a Strong Style? Well, I am a little biased because my favorite podcast host was not on there. So, I naturally can't rate it as high as I typically would. I'll have to give them like a hard 4.25 just because it wasn't your voice. So, if I was on there, what would it be rated? Oh, it broke the scale again. <laughs> Six stars. Six stars all the way. But because it, go, it goes to five, right? Yeah, the, the normal scale is five, but yeah. yeah. So for for I mean, I'll be that four point five. They did a good job. James James was very knowledgeable. You know, Josh always knows his stuff, but I just can't ever go any higher than that because naturally, if you're not on there, it's automatic deduction of points. Just in my <laughs> mind, in my mind. <laughs> Uh, so let's talk about some of the stuff that you heard. Some We made some comments as we were listening. Um, so one of the things, um, Hikaleo had a match on the show, uh, teaming with Tanahashi and Gucci. And as most wrestling fans know, Hikaleo is one of the sons of Ming or Haku, depending on how you uh, know Ming or Haku from his time in WCW. Um, but you were saying that uh, what's their original, what's their actual name? So their team name is Gorillas of Destiny, which yeah. is uh, Tamatonga, Tangaloa, and now Hikaleo, who has uh, left the Bullet Club to join with his brothers, Tamatonga and Tangaloa. Which, that's about time, because I'll tell you, that whole story arc where he betrayed his brothers was just utter trash for me, because honestly, who would do that? And, you know, we saw some of that play out. Uh, we did, yeah. In St. Pete um, at the, the New Japan Strong tapings um, in March. When he uh, gave us the stink eye? Yeah, I, I, threw, <laughs> I threw the two sweet up at Higaleo because at the time he was still, still a part, a Bullet of, part of Bullet Club. Yeah. And he came out and he, he burned a hole in me with his stare. He did not like that you threw that up. Yeah, and he, he did not two sweet anybody. Um, and it was at that time it was questionable. Because his brothers had just got kicked out of Bull Club. Was he going to stick with his brothers or was he going to stick with the Bull Club? And he decided at that time to stick with the, the Bull Club. But he was kind of challenging Jay White for leadership. Jay White beat him. And then he just kind of took his tail and sticked with Bull Club until recently. I thought that whole thing was a work. Because honestly, as a therapist, like, who's just going to betray <laughs> their family? Who does that? I mean, that's such like a, this like iconic family and he's going to leave his two big brothers. But they say Bullet Club is for life. Uh, blood is always thicker than water, bro. <laughs> well, some people don't always have the best relationships with their family, so I don't know. I think, I think they're all half brothers too, so I don't know if there's some, some drama there. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, you were saying um, that they shouldn't be called Girls of Destiny. No, Girls of Destiny. Okay, great. I don't even know what that means. But the minute that I heard James say it, 
I was like, that's it. That's a way better name. What was it? Yes. Sons of Ming? Yes. Sons of Ming. Doesn't that sound way more iconic? And it has such like fierceness behind it and history, even if it doesn't mean anything. I don't know what it means, but that just sounds way more powerful than a gorilla. Well, yeah. Well, Ming is their father, also known as Haku. He's one of, you know, a legendary tough guy in the professional wrestling business. You, you didn't really want to step in the ring with uh, Ming. Um, Which is why even more so they should be called Sons of Ming. It carries much more weight behind the name. Where does the Gorilla of Destiny come from? What is that even supposed to stand for? I don't know. Tamatonga uh, Tangelo have been Girls of Destiny since they've uh, teamed up in New Japan. I want to say, uh, was that like 2014, 2015 when uh, Tangaloa came into the company? Um, I know, I think it has to kind of derivative off a of kind of Gorilla Warfare because Tam Tonga is a kind of counter wrestler, sneak attack wrestler, and the old, you know, Gorilla Warfare type of battle, kind of that sneaky. Well, how do they spell Gorilla? Because I was thinking like the A. It, 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 no, it's spelled like Gorilla Warfare, like G oh. G U E R I L L A. Okay, well, I mean, that makes. <laughs> <laughs> no, they are not that calling themselves Gorillas. I was thinking it was like a Planet of the Apes type of a thing. <laughs> okay. Gorilla. Okay. Gorilla Warfare. I mean, yeah. Gorilla of Destiny. De yeah. Yeah. Gorillas of Destiny. Gorillas yeah. of Destiny. Yeah. I mean, okay. But now, if that's just a team's thing between the two older brothers, now that the baby brother, Hikaleo's come in, I think Sons of Ming, I mean, that sounds way more epic than a gorilla. I mean, I, I do like the, the sound of Sons of, Son, Sons of Ming or even Sons of Haku. Uh, yeah, Sons of Ming. Sons of Ming even over Haku. It just rolls off the tongue better than a gorilla of destiny. Yeah, so yeah, they might want to consider that for, for the whole team name. Leave the uh, G.O.D. team name just to uh, Tamatonga and Tangaloa. Um, so yeah, so that was one uh, talking point there. Yeah, and you know what? We will give that name to them. Courtesy, we won't even ask for a charge. <laughs> no credit. We're just giving it to them because that's a way better suggestion, and they're going to come out way more powerful than a gorilla of destiny. <laughs> uh, so something else on the show that came up uh, was the Good Brothers, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. Which one is which? So uh, Luke Gallows, he's a taller one. Yes. The one I always make fun of? Yes. Okay. Yeah, you, you watched him. He wrestled Yano uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, at the conclusion of the Burning Spirit Tour, it was a very short match, and he thought it was a waste of a match. Waste of a match, waste of time. They clearly needed like a card filler, and in my opinion, that's what they did. And I think what I like the most is when I listen to shows like yours, where you know experts in the field of wrestling, you young boy, Doctor Ishibashu. <laughs> <laughs> When, when you all share the same consensus of what I've come up with, that's where I feel a lot better because I, well, as you know, I only started watching wrestling when we first started dating. Um, so I am about two years into wrestling maybe, mm -hmm. and we've only watched AEW together. So I'm still learning New Japan stuff, <clears throat> which is odd because you have a New Japan show. So... I'm not really sure why we did the AEW one. There was a reason. Well, it's just, AEW is easier. It's on every Wednesday, eight on TBS, 
Whereas New Japan, you know, their shows are all over the place and they air live at, you know, early in the morning and Oh right. And so we were never together at like three AM. Right. <laughs> okay. Or, you know, sometimes I don't I don't always watch them in the morning, so a lot of times we're hanging out and so I'll wait till I get home before we're married. I'll get when I get home from when we're doing our date or whatever and then I would watch it then. Right. Um, so now we're we're living together, so now you're you're seeing more of it. Uh, when I watch it. That makes sense. So I'm only about two years familiar uh, and only have AEW as my reference. But when I feel like I get validated from you guys, um, because I never understood the reason that Kenny was rocking with the Good Brothers, because they were not good (laughs) at all. I mean, who's the big boy? Luke Gallows. Luke Gallows. And is he the one with the belt? No, the, the shorter one. Carl Anderson. The shorter one. Okay. So Luke Gallows. First of all, I don't understand him. I swear he's like Terry Bradshaw incarnate. Like the man cannot walk. He looks like he's been a quarterback for 500 years. He can't bend his knees. I don't understand the the lack of movement in the (laughs) ring. Doesn't make sense to me. But yet he's like this big ticket draw that he's in New Japan. WWE is apparently fighting for him again, which that baffles my mind. But I'm all for it. If AEW is going to cut this dead weight and let WWE absorb them back, take it. Explain to me, though, what Josh was saying about how, like, that's a they're making money. I didn't understand that part because what? Yeah. So essentially, they're they're talking about how, you know, these guys are the ultimate grifters. And at this point in their careers, they're all about making money and working the least and making the most amount of money. Um, and when they got released from WWE during the pandemic, they've been working for Impact Wrestling. And then, like you mentioned, they had some dates with AEW, with the Impact Partnership, uh, accompanying with Kenny and the Young Bucks, um, kind of forming the, what they call the Super Elite. What just what was the reason for that, though? Like, that is still what you had the Young Bucks, who, in my mind, besides who are the, the Lucha Brothers, mm-hmm. besides them, those are like the other best tag team wrestling team that I I enjoy watching and then naturally Kenny Omega hello you walk down the aisle on our wedding day to Kenny Omega's theme song yes I allowed it and I thought it was the most amazing thing you ever did but what like honestly for what reason because they used to be a part of the Bullet Club 50 years ago like I said earlier Bullet Club is for life Uh, those bonds don't go away regardless of what company they're in in real life, the, the Good Brothers are good friends with uh, the Young Bucks. Um, so I guess that was, you know, them, them doing a little favor to their, their Bull Club brethren, uh, getting them a payday, getting them some of that con money. Yeah, literally uh, riding the coattails of other actual wrestlers. But there's nothing super or elite about the Good Brothers. <laughs> I, I don't understand. Yeah, that, that is true. But yeah, so they, they did that. And then... Um, they also started working uh, for New Japan again, um, doing some of the strong dates in the U.S. And then once the, the borders opened up to allow foreigners in, the Good Brothers uh, did some dates in Japan with uh, Carl Anderson winning the uh, Never Open Weight title back in uh, June, I believe that was. Uh, it's been so long since he's had it and not really done much of it, I forget. He hasn't really done much with anything in his career, has he? <laughs> Uh, well, back in like 2012, he had a, a little uh, glimmer of hope, but they uh, do know we're in 2022. Though, right? <laughs> like that's a decade ago. Yeah. If you have to go back into the archives a decade ago to talk about something, 
clearly boy is like outdated come on yeah like okay so what was the person who what's the the booker is that what they're called yeah booker yeah what was going through the booker's mind to think let me pull a guy who was really really good in his prime a decade ago and give him a belt when he's not even in contract with new japan like what what must have been going through that person's mind because for me as as a complete novice i can't wrap my mind around it what would somebody who's more of an expert doing that like just help me understand this please well gato has made a lot of questionable decisions in the last two years uh during the the covid19 pandemic and the thing with carl anderson um he did um train at the the original la dojo and train a little bit at the Nogue dojo kind of Oh, is he in Shibata too? No. So the oh. the original LA Dojo was uh, opened by Antonio Inoki um, back in the early two thousands. Guys like Brian Danielson, Samoa Joe, our, our good friend Rocky Romero, all trained at the the original LA Dojo before it shut down. And but Rocky Romero's really good. He is. Um, and at one point, Carl Anderson w- was kind of good. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so. I, I, you know, there's there's loyalty when you, you come up through the dojo system, and at the time when Carl Anderson was in New Japan the first time, uh, he was kind of poised as one of the top foreigners at the time, um, and then when he left the company in 2014, he went to WWE uh, to go, you know, get the, get the bag there, uh, but now that he's back, you know, Gato always had that kind of loyalty, and um, I guess he thought he was going to get that old Carl Anderson that he got back in 2012, 2013. Um, and it would be a good idea to put the, the never title on him. But uh, clearly he, he got sold a, a bad bill of goods. It, it was it was not the same uh, Carl Anderson that people remember from 2012, 2013 when he had those big uh, matches with Okada and uh, Tanahashi. But okay, I'm gonna have to interject for a second because that's that's all fine and good. But 2012, 2013, okay, COVID didn't happen until 2020, so he still has like what eight years of of index of him not being on his best. What I just don't I don't understand. It's not like this dude was hiding under a rock for eight years. Like this can't be a surprise. Why give him the belt when he's not even really a part of New Japan rather than someone like Rocky, who actually is really talented and was still from that same L.A. dojo. Like, why not give him the, what is it, never open door? Never open weight. The never open. Why not give him that? Like, someone who actually still works hard for the company is really talented. Like, I just, I just feel like there were so many other opportunities and what a missed opportunity that was. Yeah, I think the, the belief was with Carl Anderson being in WWE uh, this last from 2014 to 2020, uh, people thought that it was the, the WWE style in booking that was holding him down and why we never saw the New Japan Carl Anderson in WWE. But then once, he, once they got released from WWE, we still did not see that New Japan Carl Anderson in Impact or AEW. Uh, and so I was guessing with bringing them back to New Japan, people thought, okay, here's the final the chance that we're going to get, you know, the Carl Anderson we remember. And even Carl said in interviews, he's admitted to not trying 
fully an impact because they have such small crowds and it's tape TV and that he only tries hard when the bright lights are on. Wow, um, what an insult to fans <laughs> who actually follow you and really, like, where do you think that money comes from, from fans buying tickets and merch? And what an insult to them. Sorry, you're not good enough because <laughs> the lights aren't bright enough at Impact? Yeah. That's a slap in the face. Yeah, so... Does he have any fans anymore after that kind of comment? Like, how insulting? Definitely probably not people who still watch Impact, which is not a huge fan base in itself. Um, They're the ones who got absorbed by AW or no? No, that's uh, Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor. Uh, so, yeah, so with Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, Doc Gallows, whatever, whichever first name he goes by now, um, yeah, they showed up on WWE this past week. And, you know, they, like you mentioned, they're they're not under contract in New Japan right now. They have a handshake deal. Um, and, yeah, they just showed up on Raw. Carl's still the never champion. And they're probably getting a big, you know, money deal to go back to WWE. They were getting paid way over their uh, talent grade when they were in WWE the first time. And I can only imagine they would only go back for similar or probably around the, the same pay. So, these guys are out here. They're swindling money from pretty much every major promotion. And now, once again, uh, with Vince uh, out of control and Triple H in control, he's brought them back, and now they're they're making their money. But their names are not even that big, right? Or am I am I mistaken in that? Like, what is the draw from going to WWE? Like, why is Triple H trying to pull for them so hard? Uh, I think for them, it's it's mainly kind of the, the Bullet Club aura that really got them over. I mean, they got they became most popular during that Bullet Club run. Um, you know. What? They were popular? Well, I mean, the, the overall... Like them, like the, those two themselves? Uh, maybe not them two themselves. Probably more Carl, because Carl was an original, was part of the original Bullet Club uh, when it formed okay. in uh, 2013. Uh, so he's one of the original members, but then, you know, Gals comes in and they're a part of that group, especially the time period was getting really hot and, you know, they're, they're getting Funko Pops, Bull Club shirts are being sold in Hot Topic, um, and everybody's talking about the Bull Club. Uh, at this point, you have Kenny Omega um, is taking over the Bull Club as AJ is getting ready to leave to go to WWE. And so the group was picking up a lot of momentum, a lot of really popular. They, they were part of that group, and the Western fan base loved the Bull Club, uh, and so they kind of got their name from that, and uh, when they came over the first time, it was a pretty big deal, and then they came over with AJ, and so now they're once again back with AJ in WWE, and so they're just kind of riding off of that Bullet Club popularity, momentum, which hasn't really been the same since the, the Elite left. Gotcha. So... Am I going to get you fired for saying all this stuff? <laughs> am, am I allowed to trash talk? Yeah, you, you're allowed to trash. You're not going to get me fired because I, I do not work for New Japan Pro Wrestling unless Abari's checks have been getting lost in the mail <laughs> these last five years. Um, it could be a very, very real possibility that that is happening because you are such a, a good New Japan podcast show that every time I look at Reddit, your, your podcast is the one that everyone's raving about. Yes, we do have some loyal uh, listeners and fans. Um, but yeah, so yeah, Good Brothers, they're, they're back in WWE. Apparently, they're going to finish out their uh, agreed-upon dates with New Japan through 
Wrestle Kingdom 17 coming up on January 4th. And so, again, double paychecks for probably not double work. Uh, I would assume they're getting double paychecks for half work. <laughs> would that be a fair equation? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'd be, I would be curious for you to answer the question um, that one of the, the writers or one of the fans wrote in about. Um, how do you see, what was the question? It was like, how do you think the belt is going to go down? Are they going to throw it in the trash or do you remember? Um, I think he was asking like, what would be oh, worse, worse if he showed up on Raw and threw the title away or continued working for New Japan for another year. Okay, well that wasn't exactly what I was thinking of. <laughs> my, my then question for you is how do you think this whole thing is going to play out then now that they're over at WWE? Uh, well, as and, of, and also feel free to answer the, the <laughs> write-in question if you'd like to as well. Uh, well, as of right now, the, the next title match is still booked for uh, the beginning of November, which is going to be the conclusion of the Battle Autumn Tour uh, Carl will have to defend that never title against Higaleo. Um, oh. So my assumption, my assumption is that uh, he will drop the belt to Higaleo. Higaleo will come to do never champ, and then yeah, Carl will just continue to finish out uh, the New Japan date about the title and uh, go from there. Um, and as far as that listener's question, I think it would be way worse to have the Good Brothers around for another year um, in New Japan because. Uh, this latest run, it was not nothing memorable at all uh, with either guy, and so I, I really don't want to see those guys uh, compete in the Cerulean Blue ever again. Yeah, I, I, I will go ahead and answer the question as well. As someone who's watched very minimal episodes, I would also think it would be worse to have them stay because that would mean more matches that we would have to waste our time watching of them rather than actually some real wrestlers in the ring. Right. I swear I'm going to get you fired. <laughs> so much junk. Well, I'm in charge, so I'm not going to fire myself. Are you going to edit out all these, no. all these bits? No. <laughs> um, okay, so that was one of the Good Brother thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, okay. One of the other things that we're talking about was the, the new belt. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what are your thoughts on the belt? Have you seen it? Yes, I have seen uh, the picture of the new uh, NJPW World uh, television title uh, that was debuted uh, this past Monday at the show. Um, and I don't know, I'm, I'm not, I don't hate the design, but I'm not in love with it either. Are you uh, in love with me? Yes, I'm very much in love with you. Just in case anyone around <laughs> here listening, there you go. Um, I, I do like the concept of the title, uh, 15 minute uh, time limit matches, and um, a bar thing is going to be geared towards more of the, the younger wrestlers. So, uh, trying to emulate kind of like what they're doing over in the, their sister company in Stardom with the, the high speed title, which has gotten over uh, Starlight Kid and Mizumi uh, over uh, pretty big in Japanese. So, I like the idea of the these high-paced, kind of faster matches, 15-minute time limit, and highlighting younger talent. Uh, the title design, I, I think they could have done better. Um, to me, it looks like a huge, almost like a huge Super Bowl ring. Uh, um, I don't know. It is it is what it is. I mean, over time, it'll, it'll probably grow on us, but I don't hate it like some people do, and I'm, but I'm not over the moon about it. So they were comparing that 
to well first of all explain to me the joke i feel like josh made a joke uh to james of like why would they do that or was it the other way around there was some uh, joke was it, was it referencing some startup thing uh well i know uh josh made a joke being like have you heard about the shape does this sound familiar at all that, yeah um like well, explain that joke to me. Yeah, so like I was saying earlier with, with James and his love for Joshi and, and covering Stardom, uh-huh. um, the this title, this new title in New Japan is kind of it's similar to the the high speed title in Stardom. So is that kind of what they were emulating this off of? Like they took that idea? As far as like the rules for the match, not the, the look of the actual title. Gotcha. So in, in the high speed matches are there shorter time limits. Um, and usually the younger wrestlers are folks in those matchups. Um, and so that's kind of like what they're, tr- they're trying to do here with this new uh, TV title uh, that they've created. So the so the purpose of this is only younger people are going to be fighting for this belt? That would be the hope. I mean, the tournament right that's going to be kicking off uh, this Friday, um, October 16th, or I think that's the date. Um, there are a lot of um, of the established New Japan guys that are their mid thirties and above in the tournament. But I think once the title gets going, I think there will be more of a focus on guys in their twenties. I mean, this tournament seems like it's kind of um, in line for Ren Narita to win, who just came back from excursion. Um, he was here in the U.S. in L.A. Dojo um, on excursion. He's back now full-time in Japan. Um, made his big debut as the, the son of Strong Style. So I think it's going to be a title for him. And um, I think he's in his mid, mid to late 20s. And I think it'll be, it'll be something to kind of help build him up. So the goal of this belt is to put newer faces, like fresh faces, in front of the audience to kind of push them over? No. What's get, it called? Get them over. Throw them over? Get them over. Get them over. So that we can kind of start to see who the new talent is and start building support for that? Yeah. So um, President Obari, he's made comments recently saying, you know, that he, he wants to get younger, fresher talent in New Japan. He looks over at what's happening in their sister company in Stardom, where you're having a lot of young ladies um, come in in their teens, even even in their um, you know like 12, 13, um, coming up, and then um, once they get you know eighteen, nineteen, they're they're incredible, and they're making a lot of waves. And the with the New Japan system, you know, they're getting a lot of people when they're out of college, um, and then they have to go to the dojo, then they have to. Um, you know, be all, a young lion, a young boy for a couple of years, and they go on excursion, and then their excursion could be one, two, three years, and by the time they come back, they're probably already in their late 20s, maybe early 30s, um, and you've kind of used up a lot of their, um, you know, wrestling shelf life, I guess is the, the term I'm thinking of. When they're more in their prime. Right, you're kind of, you're kind of using up their prime in training and excursion, when if they came in younger, um, you you probably get a little bit more juice out the squeeze. I mean, and the young line system has proven to create a lot of great wrestlers um, over the years since it's been going in New Japan. Uh, but we're seeing in stardom, like I said, these young girls coming over, 
um, going through the, their training system, and then once they get, you know, 17, 18, 19, they're just incredible wrestlers, and then they still have this continued, you know, shelf life because they can, they can go for, you know, 10, 15 more years, and then they're still only in their, you know, mid-30s by then. What is their training system in comparison to the Young Lions then? Because aren't they all under the same umbrella type company thing? Uh, so, or? so they're owned by the same parent company, but they're run. They're they run they run individually, independently. So, what does Stardom do that they only train for like two or three years and then they actually get to wrestle? Well, I think first of all, it's, it's them bringing in bringing people when they're younger. Um, so there's not you know New Japan's been mainly trying to get people once they graduate from college a little bit older. Where I started them, they're starting them out as young as they possibly can, um, and I think they're just getting. I mean, for essentially the systems are pretty they're similar. I think the key is just that they're getting the the girls in a lot, a lot younger. So this is not a new Japan thing. Well, the one wrestler guy, I guess, is so who's the? I think he's British or Australian, and he always comes out with that like Fraggle Rock green coat. Will Osprey. Will Osprey. And he wrestled that little teenager boy that one time, right? It was like, and his mom was there. Do you remember? Oh that? yes, uh, he wrestled Nick Wayne. Uh, what was that for? So, why, and why did I watch that? <laughs> of all the wrestlers <laughs> that I watched, why is that one that I watched? So I think I think you were over at my house when I was watching, getting ready to watch that because. Um, of course, as listeners know, for the show, we, we have uh, the excursion matches for our, our excursion uh, match of the year awards where we watch New Japan wrestlers compete outside of New Japan. Um, and Will Ospreay was competing against Nick Wayne. I think he was 17 at the time, I think. Um, and GCW, that was a, a dream match. That was actually supposed to happen, I think. WrestleMania weekend in maybe Dallas, but I think there was an issue with the age of Nick Wayne. They, they wouldn't let him compete or something like that, uh, that, that during that weekend. And so um, his big dream match was Will Ospreay. And so they were able to finally make it happen. And he uh, wrestled a young Nick Wayne. And he was pretty decent, right? Yeah, Nick Wayne is really good. And he's um, he has an AEW contract waiting for him. As soon as he graduates, that contract will go into effect, and he will be the, the youngest AEW roster member. As soon as he graduates what? High school. He's still in high school? Yes. Yeah, so he's, I think by now, I don't know if he turned 18 yet. Uh, he's in his senior year of high school right now. So um, once he um, graduates high school this coming up, you know, next May, uh, he will be a uh, full-time AEW roster member. Oh, wow. So, AEW then does not have the same Young Lion type training boot camp royale stuff that... No. So, AEW doesn't really have its own performance center or dojo. Um... For them, I mean, the the one school that has been affiliated with them is the Nightmare Factory, which is owned by Cody Rhodes and QT Marshall. Um, I will not. No. 
I'm sorry. His name is Marshall. <laughs> Give me a break. QT Marshall. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. What were we listening to the other day? And they just kept saying it. It was just grating uh, on my nerves. I was watching New Japan Strong, <sighs> and uh, QT was on there. I'm sorry. He can try to fancy himself up as much as he wants, but he's not a little prim princess. His name is QT Marshall, and that's what we're calling him. Marshall? I mean... <laughs> Give me a break. Okay. Anyways. Uh, so, yeah. So, the Nightmare Factory owned by Cody and QT. Um, and a lot of Nightmare students have been on AEW with that connection. Uh, guys like Lee Johnson um, and Brock Anderson. Wait. I've heard of that one. Which one? Brock Anderson. Um, he was guy trying to... Um, he has like the really big, like looking tight underwear, looking tights. Um, oh, he was the son yes. of the other guy, and it looks like he's wearing a diaper. Yes. and there's like 1970s, but he's a little bit older, right? No, and his dad would he, come he's, out. With him? Yeah, his dad would come out. He is younger, so he looks like his dad. He looks older. <laughs> yeah. He is not like 19. He's not 19. I think he's like mid 20s. No, he's not. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm telling you, that diaper is not doing him any justice then. Maybe if he had different gear. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So, yeah. So, he was in that. Yeah. Okay. So, the Nightmare Factory, that's been the school that's kind of been connected um, with AEW. I really haven't seen a ton of Nightmare students come over since Cody left to go to um, WWE. The place that shall not be named. <laughs> Um, so yeah, there's not a yeah. The AW doesn't have its really own training school. I do know that um, Cody's brother Dustin Rhodes does work with some. He has his own school, but even at Dynamite tapings, he will work specifically more with the women and uh, some of the other talent before the tapings happen. Uh, now him, yeah. him, I like him. I'm impressed by at least with his coaching skills. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they don't have their own. They don't have their own school right now. Um, like WWE has like the the big uh, performance center um, in Orlando. Why do you keep saying that name? <laughs> Just throwing out the comparisons there, like you know who has a school, who doesn't have a school. Well, so in terms of the way that New Japan does it versus AEW, do you think one makes more sense versus another? Because I I would assume then for what's that guy's name, Nick Nick Will? Wayne. Nick Wayne. Um, so he's coming fresh out of high school, so they get to really train him and build him up in however way they think would make the most sense with their type of style of wrestling. But they also get him at a very young age. Do you think that helps or that hurts? Like, what what would be the benefit versus the drawback of the way they do it versus New Japan? Um, well, I think overall, for it's just a, kind of a, a cultural different thing. Um, but as far as bringing Nick Wayne a younger, I think it's going to be um, a great thing to kind of cultivate this guy um, who kind of already wrestles the AEW house style and has, has gotten over on the independent scene and is so young and it seems to be very charismatic. He hasn't uh, filled out his frame yet. Um, so I, I think there's a lot behind him and you can cultivate a young star like that and you can create a, a homegrown uh, AW star because he's starting so young, you know. Uh, you know, knock on wood. Hopefully, he doesn't get any serious injury. If he can stay healthy, um, he could have a very long career and be one of the guys that carries AW into the future. So, would we say that he would knock off MJF? Um, I think he would be a guy that 
would be kind of challenging. He'd be the next guard, maybe trying to come after MJF um, as an established top guy. Is there anybody that this Nick guy's age, or would he kind of be in a class by himself for now? Um, I mean, well, he's going to be the youngest roster member. I mean, people close to his age are going to be all those like Nightmare Factory guys, like Lee Johnson and um, Brock Anderson. I'm trying to think of who else is kind of close to that age range in AW right now. The coffin drop guy. Uh, Darby. Um, I, I forget how old Darby is. Um, I think Darby's in his early 30s, I believe. Really? Uh, He's got a baby face. Yeah, he does. Maybe he might be younger, actually. I, I'm not 100% sure. I'll have to. You guys can Google it and see and see how old Darby is. But he's definitely it has to be at least late 20s. Um, so there would really be no one kind of on his league. So then explain to me how how did he get so good? If he hasn't had any formal oh, training, like I would well, imagine he, he, Well, he, he has had formal training. So his dad, uh, Buddy Wayne, it was one of the uh, more popular guys in the uh, Midwest scene and has trained a lot of wrestlers. Um, and so Nick Wayne was wrestling. He was a very little kid because his dad was a wrestler and dad had a wrestling school. Um, and started wrestling at a very young age. I mean, he, he's gotten formal wrestling training. He said he got it really young. Um, and so as he's grown up, he's been wrestling and then wrestling on the, the independent scene. Okay, so that's that makes more sense then. It's not like he learned that in high school gym class. Right, no. I mean, he, he was pretty impressive. Yeah, he probably learned how to flip and doing gymnastics and stuff like that. But as far as it, the, kind of the core... The, the, the pro wrestling business he learned uh, from his dad who uh, passed away I believe passed away last year pretty, pretty recently um, so he kind of learned that business and then a lot of guys on the independent scene kind of taking him um, under their wing and he had a big match with Swerve earlier in the year he's had a lot of big matches this year a lot of top does he uh, guy. Swerve he <laughs> uh, hopefully not um, hopefully he, he got some good driving habits especially as such a young <laughs> Young age, we need some good young drivers on the road. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, so yes, ultimately, I, I think New Japan would want to bring in more eighteen-year-olds. You know, not wait till they get out of college. We're gonna get them out there when they're in high school, start the process a little bit earlier. Maybe make the excursions not quite as long, um, and try to debut guys a little bit earlier. So that's what New Japan does. What what then do you think is the validity to doing that then? Because it seems uh, like you're using up a lot of their really good years overseas in smaller markets. Well, I mean, overall, I mean, the, the system has worked from since the company started from 1972 to now. That dojo system has produced incredible wrestlers. Um, and so the, the system has worked. I just think that as time evolves and as other companies are, are doing different things, you got to kind of move along with the times. And I think overall, Dojo, Dojo system is great. You just need to, I think, get guys in younger and then maybe not have them on excursion quite as long as, you know, some guys go on excursion, they're, they're gone for two, two, three years, um, which they're getting valuable skills of wrestling a different style, either in, in Mexico and in CMLL, or they go, they go to the UK, Rev Pro or something will come here in the U.S. with the L.A. Dojo. 
um, it, it's definitely beneficial to them to learn a different style, work um, in front of a different crowd, learn how to get over in different places. Um, but yeah, maybe you do maybe just a year, maybe do a year and a half, or I don't know, maybe make it two years max. Um, but don't keep them there any longer than that and try to get them back in Japan as soon as possible. How long are they on excursion for? It just, it just all depends on their progress um, and how they're learning and if they feel like they're, they're ready to come back. Um, guys can be gone, let's say, two, two, three years. I don't think anything, anybody's been gone longer than three years, but uh, it, it could be quite a while uh, before they, they come back from excursion and kind of get back into the mix. So out of all the excursion locations, do you have a favorite for uh, wrestlers that have been produced afterwards? Um, I would say probably probably one of the best track records is probably guys who go to Mexico and wrestle um, CMLL. Um, Arena Mexico is a very legendary location to wrestle. You have a lot of tourists, a lot of U.S. tourists that go in there, and it's kind of as a big, big show feel and environment. And I think you know, learning that lucha libre style, um, you know, helps create a lot of high flyers. And I think it's also just an interesting style to, to learn and have in your 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 skill set um, to use in Japan. Kind of do some flashy moves, some interesting um, submission holes. But I, yeah, I would say probably CMLL probably has been one of the, the better excursion spots over the years well you do know that the lucha is my favorite style of wrestling because i'm all about the high flying yes you you love the high flying the high spots you love yeah. uh ray phoenix and, he's my favorite yeah ray phoenix is my favorite aew one and then ishii is my favorite new japan yeah. although ishii would be the opposite of yes <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I just like that he does the like the elephant seals and, and you know heat and combat with each other. Where he just, <laughs> just just steamrolls ahead and, and only uses his neck as a weapon. <laughs> I don't know why, but he's endeared in my heart forever. But yeah, he's the opposite of a high flash. But uh, Ray Fenix. Now he's the one I will say his name accurately because he's earned that respect. Ray Fenix. He's my favorite. And he is a high flyer. Why do you think I like such a high flying, flashy, showy? Because I'll say uh, one of the Jackson boys, Nick does, Jackson. Nick Jackson. He does. I think he's kind of on par. Is that accurate or not? Yeah, I mean the match that him and Phoenix had. Uh, Phoenix, baby. Phoenix <laughs> uh, was awesome. Yeah, Nick Jackson is an incredible high flyer. I mean Matt is too, but Nick also does more risks than Matt and. Yeah, I feel like he's he's always on the ropes, and Matt is not as much. Yeah. So, what about high flyers is so exciting for more novice watchers like myself? Uh, well, I think it just captures your attention. Um, you, you see this guy, you see people just doing these kind of crazy high flying flips, uh, especially defying a guy defying gravity. Yeah, defying gravity, yeah. especially a guy like Ray Phoenix, where he's. Um, doing all these rope walk moves. I don't even and... know how he does it. <laughs> um, I remember the first time when we saw, the first time I saw Phoenix Live uh, New Orleans, uh, 2018 Mania Weekend. Um, just incredible, mind-blowing stuff. Um, and him and Penta were all over that weekend. They, they would open the show one weekend on one show, and then the same day 
the main event is another show. Uh, but yeah, those guys were incredible. Fans were throwing money in the ring um, after the match. I would throw money at them. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how he does the stuff he does. The rope walking, the dives, the, the flips, the corkscrews. Um, just an incredible, incredibly talented uh, young man and always fun to watch. But yeah, I think it's the stuff he does in high five in general, that Lucha Libre style just really just captures people's attention. Like, um, I think a lot of people when, you know, who don't really watch wrestling or kind of know of wrestling, um, they, they probably think of like Hulk Hogan or uh, The Rock or Stone Cold Steve Austin, wherever it's a, it's a yeah. more uh, strike-based kind of uh, wrestling, more, it's more about the personality and it's not always quite as exciting. Uh, but then when you watch guys like Ray Phoenix and Pentagon Jr. and Bandito, um, they just blow you away with what stuff they can do. And this is a, I think it's something that people just don't know is a style of wrestling. I would say that is accurate because, so, okay, truth be told, and this isn't a surprise to you, when you first told me that you were into wrestling, and then also, you know, follow that up with that, you have a podcast that you do <laughs> weekly, that each episode is around three hours in length. You know, there's, there's a small part of me that died inside. <laughs> and then when you had me watch some of the wrestling stuff, I was like, because I used to watch wrestling as a little kid, but it was, of course, like the 90s, uh, WWE. The, the Attitude Era. The Attitude Era. And it was nothing like wrestling, wrestling. Like, when I watch AW now, I'm like, oh, this is actually pretty legit. It was, yeah, like you were saying, just like a bunch of big behemoth men running around and knocking people over, clothes lining up, and, and basically the whole gimmicks and raising their eyebrow and opening cans of things <laughs> onto people. But it was it was less sports and more just, oh, how much merch can we sell with taglines? And so I think when I actually watched something like Ray Fenix and I saw all the athleticism, was, I think I was more impressed because I used to think wrestling was a joke like I had a friend a couple of years ago who was really into wrestling and I would mock him relentlessly because I thought wrestling was stupid and silly and well I think I'm still accurate if you're <laughs> if you're only watching WWE which he does um, but watching real wrestling shows like AEW and New Japan and you actually see people like Fenix and the Jackson yeah, the Young Jack Bucks, yeah. the Young Bucks and um, the Osprey and all those guys who actually have a lot of athletic, uh, what, what's the word? I don't even athletic know. prowess. Athletic prowess, yeah. I think it became more impressive. Like, oh, this isn't just a bunch of people stomping their feet to make it sound like a strike, although you still do get some <laughs> of that. Um, but this is actually people doing, yeah, gymnastics and backflips and putting real danger into what they do like it actually is a skill and I think I, I started appreciating it more that this is an actual art form and you do have to train for it and it's not like you can just be like building muscle and that's the reason that you're on WWE is just because you have a, a bunch of muscle that you've taken steroids and done all that kind of stuff like it's people who have a lot of athleticism people who can do the what, what would you call it the like the moves uh, well, we, we call it the, the work rate. Um, 
so yeah, this this generation of pro wrestlers, yeah, they're they're more athletic, they're more quick. Um, There's actual talent, I would say. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, not that he wasn't talented. I think. I, and again, I, I always say this too. I mean, they, when you're talking about wrestling, comparing wrestling from different eras, like it's not fair. Each each era had its time, so yeah. we we can't say you know you know comparing like the '70s to stuff now, like. Yes, sometimes watching 70s wrestling can be slow and boring, but in, during that time period for them, like, that was awesome, and so... I'm then, just glad I live in this time period yeah. where I can see, like, legit awesome. Now, I mean, let's throw respect where respect is due because it took the people from the 70s and the 80s to pave the way so that we could now be in this type of era. What would this era be called? Um... I don't, I don't think there's like an, a, an official title. Well, let's come up with one. <laughs> so the 90s was the Attitude Era. What All was right. next? Let's uh, go through the decades. What were the well, decades? Well, so the, the, the era are really, they're kind of, those things are all kind of like WWE stuff. So like 90s, the Attitude Era, where you had WWE and WCW kind of competing back and forth with each other. Um, and then WWE buys WCW in 2001. Which kind of closed off the Attitude Era, and I think the next era would be, they called it the, I think it was like the Reality Era. Was um, there something before the Attitude Actually, era? I think it was the, sorry, it was the, the Ruthless Aggression Era what came after the Attitude ruthless Era. Ruthless Aggression. Who would be in the Ruthless Aggression Era that I would know? So that would be the start of John Cena. The Invisible Man? Uh, yep, the one you can't see. Uh, Dave Batista, who we watched in uh, that spy movie the other day. Oh, um, so God, like those, those are the top two stars of what would be considered like the ruthless uh, kind of aggression era that led into the mid two thousands. When is The Rock? When was he in? The Rock w- was in the Attitude Era. Wait, really? Yes, he's older than this Invisible Man. Yes, he is older than Cena. Huh. Okay. I'm really bad with age, apparently. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, Rock started in the '90s. But I thought Attitude Era was Hulk Hogan too. No, well, yeah, it, not the the red and yellow Hogan like the the '80s kind of time period for Hogan. So when Hogan turned bad, yes, when Hogan turned bad, it was oh, part of the Attitude Era. Turned heel, yes, turned Let's heel. Use actual, yes, okay. when, when he Hogan turned heel. turned heel and he came in with the black and the white. Yes, shirt, when he joined, when they started the NWO. When he had that god awful. Mustache or yes. facial um, hair. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that was Attitude Era time period. Um, so was there something before the Attitude Era? Before the Attitude Era, you had the New Generation okay. um, period, which where you had guys like my childhood favorite Shawn Michaels and uh, Bret the Hitman Hart, guys like that kind of coming in and kind of um, taking over stars. You had a lot of stars that left. WCW, guys like Hogan and Macho Man and Vince was kind of phasing out some of the older guys. You had the new generation guys uh, coming in um, before the new generation. I guess you could call that like the, the, the rock and wrestling era, that, that 80s time period um, with Hogan on top and Macho Man, Randy Savage. Which one was the one with Nature Boy? Um, so, I mean, Nature Boy, he kind of blending through all of those eras um, through through the, I think he probably was in the, in the 70s and definitely big in the 80s and 90s. 
I just never understood why people fell for his no thing that he would do. Like every time I watched it, he'd be like, no, no. And then they would they would back off and then he'd hit them. And I'm like, guys, why are you always falling for it? You know what it reminds me of and it still irks me? It reminds me of the refs in AW when they fall for the shenanigans. But the thing is, the refs are really smart. It's like, why do you fall for the gimmick every time? And you look away and all of a sudden somebody throws something illegal into the ring does an illegal punch or hit or whatever it is, they take the person out and then the refs turn back around and was like, what? How did that happen? We're totally blindsided by this. And I'm like, come on, guys. Audrey is way smarter than that. Well, that, that's just a, a pro wrestling trope, unfortunately, that just doesn't seem to go away. Uh, I wish it would. The refs kind of being dunces and being easily distracted or uh, confused and, and missing things. But the, that's the thing that's frustrating is she's not a dunce. Mm -hmm. She I only say her because she's the only one I really know and like. <laughs> I think they're all good. You, you know Red Shoes. I do know. <laughs> <laughs> that's not funny. <laughs> Are you going to tell? Yeah, so <laughs> like you all know, she, she's, Jen is a novice to, to wrestling. And as, as we were dating and she's getting to know me and learning about New Japan, she learned about red shoes and uh she didn't realize that red shoes was, was specific to red shoes uno she thought that all referees were called were red, shoes. red shoes because we must have only ever watched episodes that had him as the rep right and it was always i was like look there's red shoes and i just thought that's what they were called that was really embarrassing and i it's it's shameful to admit that it took me like a year before we finally figured yeah, out. Yeah, I don't even remember what happened. I think we might have been watching AEW and you're like, what's this red shoes doing? And I was like, what are you Yes. <laughs> that was it. We were watching something else. I was like, that red shoes. And you're like, what? What? <laughs> yeah. That was the first time we realized that I know very little about wrestling. <laughs> but uh, that's the thing. Aubrey? Audrey. Aubrey. Aub Aubrey Edwards. Aubrey. She's really talented. And she's not a dunce. She's very talented. She's very intelligent. And they always do that, like, trope thing with her. And I'm like, come on. She's smarter than that. All the refs are smarter than that. I just don't get why that is a trope that continues to live on. That one and then where all the other people, like, come and bum rush the stage. And then just start kicking the tar out of the person who just won. And then it's like, I don't understand it. Certain tropes I wish they would just let die and start new ones. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the ref distraction thing, it's a quote-unquote good way to, to help beat somebody uh, without beating them clean and to kind of give an excuse for why the person lost. Um, which sometimes it works, but other times it's like, well, if you don't want to beat the person, then just don't beat them. Uh but yeah, I mean, the distraction thing is not always the best. Or maybe if they just didn't do it so frequently. Yeah. Like, maybe once every couple of shows, but when it's like once every other every other match, right. it starts to like, okay, really they're falling for it again? Yeah. I don't remember anything else. Um... Do you 
didn't get to since you're on your honeymoon? Uh, I mean, overall, I mean, I only, I only saw the first half of uh, the Sigma Hall show, uh, but overall, it seemed it was, um, was very good. The half that I saw, and I saw all the news that kind of came out from the show. There's a lot of uh, surprising angles and appearances, um, bringing in uh, Teton from Mexico to join uh, LIJ. It was an interesting uh, little tidbit there. And also we talked about the, the TV title coming in. Uh, Russell Kingdom 17, we have our first few matches announced for that uh, with Kazuko Okada facing Jay White for the world title. Who do you think's going to win on that one? Uh, I think Okada's going to win. Uh, Last time they faced off in the Dome a few years ago, Jay White got the win. And it was actually very uh, quick fashion. So um, I think now in the main event, uh, I think it's Okada's going to get his, his win back here. Also, Jay beat Okada this year uh, to get the title. So I think yeah, Okada's going to get the win back, get Wait, the title back. Isn't Okada the one who held it for like five years in a row? He kept winning Wrestle Kingdom or something. Didn't you say something like that? So, I mean, Okada has been in the main event a lot since he came back from Excursion in I think that was like 2012. Um, has been the champion a lot. He does have, um, he did break the, the, the record for the IWGB heavyweight title uh, with days and defenses. Um, so, yeah, he's, you know, they're their top guy right now. So, yeah, so facing Jay White. Again, I think Okada is going to get the, the big win there and they'll give him another uh, title run. Um, we got a four-way junior title match for Wrestle Kingdom 17 and also the, the finals of the new TV tournament uh, will be happening. So that should be interesting to see how that tournament's going to play out this month and who's going to end up um, in the finals on January 4th. Um, so yeah, overall, a lot of interesting things coming up now in New Japan. I think this TV tournament is going to make this month um, interesting. Um, got World Tag League around the corner. They're doing uh, two back-to-back uh, -back pay view shows in New York towards the end of the month. Um, so yeah, a lot, a lot of big stuff happening in the world of New Japan for us. Out of all that big stuff, which is the biggest stuff that you're looking forward to stuffing? <laughs> Um, well, I mean, I think probably the, the TV title tournament is probably going to be the most interesting thing, which starts this Friday. I think it's going to be something that's going to just make um, this month, which is usually not really a big month. Uh, typically, New Japan in October is going to make this month uh, interesting and all building uh, some shows at the beginning of November. So that should be um, a lot of fun. Uh there was the thing, so we did kind of already talk about the belt, but they were talking about the belt and then there was a trophy. And so oh. they're thinking the belt is going to take over the a trophy. Yeah, so they were talking about the KOPW uh, trophy that got introduced uh, during the pandemic, uh, where it's usually some kind, it's been some kind of like goofy uh, gimmick simulations that they've been doing. And essentially, at first, it was just kind of a seemed like it was a prop for Toriano to have comedy matches um, in the middle of the show. Um, and there been like really the pizza dough guy? Uh, kind of, but there hasn't been any pizza dough in New Japan yet. Um, there's been plenty of dog cages, though. Um, but yeah, so they've had a lot of goofy matches with Yano um, 
last couple of years with the, the KOPW. And uh, so, yeah, with the, the introduction of the TV title, it does seem like it could be a good time to kind of phase out the, the KOPW experiment um, that was brought in uh, during the pandemic to try and do something different to uh, engage people while we're still in the midst of, of clap crowds and, uh, you know, X amount of capacity uh, venues, something new and interesting they were trying to do. Uh, which some fans hate, some fans love. Um, but yeah, the, the KOPW could be phased out. Um, it's been on uh, Shingo Takagi, one of my favorite New Japan wrestlers. Um, and he has done a good job uh, elevating that trophy with some of the matches he had, including the match he had this past Monday uh, with uh, El Phantasmo. Um, so yeah, I mean, they, they could just phase it out at the end of the year. Um, or I mean, they could keep it on guys like Shingo. Uh, who could have um, some better matches and kind of steer away from the more uh, some of the gimmicky blindfold and dog cage and random stuff that they were doing with uh, Toriano. Well, I don't get it because I I thought the belt was for the young people for 15 minutes. Yeah. So it doesn't sound like that's what's happening with that. uh, So so it wouldn't be like a direct replacement in, in that sense, but it would just be kind of just one less thing that you really don't need. Um, Much like the Good Brothers. The, yeah, the Good Brothers, yeah. Okay, so they're making lots of different changes. Yeah. What What would be your preference? Keep them? Take them? Remove one? Uh, I mean, if, if they're going to keep KOPW the way it is now, where it's more uh, wrestling-based stipulations uh, then I'm fine with keeping that around too um, and using that uh, to do stuff with people who are not in the main mix at the time Uh, but if they are planning on reverting it back to it being the comedy show then I think they can get rid of it so who do they have as the comedy if they don't have Mario Pizza Doughboy so uh, Toriano, uh, the guy, he, he's the one that wrestled Luke Gallows in that short uh, match. He saw, said it was a waste of time. Uh, <laughs> so Toriano is like the, the resident comedy guy um, in New Japan, known for his hijinks and shenanigans and tying people's feet together with rolls of tapes and doing all kind of crazy stuff, spraying people with hand sanitizer in their eyes to get the advantage and just being a mischievous trickster. Was he doing that while there was a hand sanitizer shortage? Uh, yes, he was. Uh, during the pandemic, he would come to the ring with a bottle of, of spray uh, sanitizer and spray it in the air. Why? Just that's what he wanted to do. Does he have that much money where we, he could just waste precious, precious hand sanitizer like that? It, it probably wasn't real. It was probably just water, but they, they said it was sanitizer. So, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm an easy mark. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, anything else for the wrestling group? Uh, no, I mean, I think that, that pretty much covers it. Uh, great job, James and Josh, uh, covering uh, Declaration of Power, all the latest New Japan news. Uh, looking forward to being back on the show uh, next week to uh, cover the beginning of the TV title tournament. So what's been your favorite part about the honeymoon so far? 
so my favorite part about the honeymoon has uh, been the Grand Canyon. Uh, that was something I was really looking forward uh, to doing when we got out here. And uh, I mean, you see pictures online and it just doesn't do it justice. You have to uh, go in person and, and see it with your own two eyes and just, I mean, it was just beautiful and magnificent just seeing that uh, that nature, that the Grand Canyon right in front of your, your very eyes. Yeah, I will say Arizona is really weird. Like when you think of Arizona, the first thought, at least in my mind, that comes into my head is just desert, just like barren wasteland. But we've been to three different types of places in Arizona. So we've been staying in Sedona, which has all the red rocks and it's gorgeous. And then we drove two hours in a different direction because you know how good I am with the directions. <laughs> we drove two hours one way to see the Grand Canyon and that's a totally different scenery. And it was like forest and wilderness out there. And then two hours, the opposite of Sedona in the other direction, which is how we spent our day to day and are actually driving back to Sedona, uh, was what did we just do? The painted desert. Mm -hmm. And the uh, petrified forest. The petrified forest and the, the meteor, meteor crater. crater yeah. <clears throat> And so this part, the petrified forest in the painted desert is like literal desert. To me, this is what I think of when I think of Arizona, but Sedona and Grand Canyon are totally different. I would not ever conjure those images if I was thinking about Arizona. Yeah, um, I don't know, Arizona, like where the Sedona and a lot of stuff we did with the mountainy kind of stuff, it, I don't know, it's, it felt more maybe like a, a Colorado or, um, somewhere that's more known for mountains and was a lot cooler yeah um, and versus you, know, you think a desert you're, you're thinking dry hot uh -huh. um it wasn't really like that in sedona or we went to the, the grand canyon it has not been hot at all i mean you've been hot but it has not been <laughs> hot surprisingly what it's like in the 70s the whole time yeah i think yeah the highs have been mid 70s and it's been or, breezy yeah like i don't think we've like been dying outside and you wore a jacket one day uh yeah when we went uh when did i wear a jacket we were uh, hiking oh yeah when we went to uh <sighs> devil's bridge the uh, easiest <laughs> the easiest shortest flattest listen time. guys we got worked uh we, we got we got hard. worked by these sedona bloggers multiple bloggers they're they're saying you know oh yeah the devil's bridge is the the easiest, quickest hike you can do. It's all flat surface, just on on set dan sandy desert road. And, and no, that that was a work. Uh, that was not an easy hike, at least for us. Uh, I mean, granted, I am grossly out of shape. I will admit that it's been since our wedding planning. I was since we got engaged. I have not gone to the gym much. So yeah, you know, a bit out of shape. I'll own it, a bit out of shape. But this was next level. Like we were towards the end for about a good half mile, just scaling straight up rocks. Yeah, I, I was not expecting that at all because the way it's described on all these sites, it's like, oh yeah, you, you just park your car here and you do this quick little walk and you, you meet the bridge and you just walk on the bridge, you take your picture and go back home, end of the day. And that's not what it was. I almost died. You, you get there, you park, and then you have this long freaking walk 
just to get to the trail, which <laughs> leads you to go up to the Devil's Bridge, and then you have to scale all these different rock things until you finally get up to the very tippy tippy top of this rock to get to the uh, Devil's Bridge. I was literally having to slide on my hands and knees to get up there. I would say afterwards, all the second half of the day, I was walking like Doc Gallows. <laughs> was that true? <laughs> so much pain. Oh my god! Could not bend my knees. My whole body ached. It was insanity. Oh. We were lied to. We, they knew, they saw us coming from a mile away. They thought these Floridians, easy marks, and they were right. Yeah, it, it, it was pretty rough. My my ankle still hurts uh, from that hike, and yeah, it, it it was pretty rough. I will say, quite proud of us. Well, I'm I'm very proud of you because I, I discovered that you are actually afraid of heights. Petrified. Um. Now again, I gave you the caveat. First of all, so how long have we been together? Two and a half years. Oh uh, well, isn't it almost? Uh, wouldn't be October be two years? No. Well, we've been together long, maybe. No. Well, October will be officially when we were well, when we were official boyfriend girlfriend October um, of. Okay, fine. Two. So yeah, but if you count August when we actually tomato tomato. Talk, yeah, so two two and a half. Yeah. Okay, so we've been together. About, I swear we've been together longer than two years. Well, it was August of twenty twenty okay. is when we started talking. Sure. And then October 2020 when we were... Let's not dissect. <laughs> Let's not dissect when we actually became official or not, because that's a sore, sore subject. <laughs> but, yeah, in in two plus years of you knowing me, it took you till uh, now for us to scale a mountain and be on a cliff's edge for you to finally realize, I'm petrified of heights. Well, we've, we've never really been in a situation... To where you, I would learn that you are afraid of heights, and we have been here in in Arizona, and we've been up pretty high places. We were up at the you know the Grand Canyon, and but there were guardrails, right? Which is what I learned that as long as there's guardrails or something that's making sure you're not falling to my death, it's any place that I could plummet to my death. Now, when we walked out on that one, when we took the picture and we walked out on that big rock, I was really nervous because there was nothing to protect us and one fallen misstep boom and we would have just plummeted to our death and that's where i get scared like if we're in a car and we're up high i'm okay if we're in a plane that's fine but when you have me at the edge of a cliff and there's no rail there's no glass containment and i could just completely plummet and fall and hit rock no i don't like it so yeah, so learned that you were yeah afraid of heights and yeah, so I was super proud of you for uh, getting all the way up there and getting on the Devil's Bridge and yeah, we took a, we got a good picture out of it. Yeah, so so if you're going to uh, Sedona anytime anytime soon and you're looking for a quote unquote easy short hike, it is not the Devil's Bridge. Um, so just keep that in your head get mentally prepared if you're going to do the devil's bridge it's going to suck well let's caveat that with it will suck 
if you're out of shape and you don't ever hike and you live in flatlands of Florida where there's zero hiking trails. So you and I are not the most outdoorsy of people. No, uh, not at all. Because we live in a swampland where there's hardly any elevation. So anything slightly above what we're used to is probably a little bit more strenuous. But I mean, we did it. I would say if we could do it, anybody could do it. Yes. So that that's that's your uh, your motivation right there. Yeah. If we could do it, you could do it. <laughs> but we did make it. Yes, we did. Yeah. I, you know, I, I will say I was slightly embarrassed that uh, we got lapped quite a few times by quite a few old people. That, you know, that was a bit disheartening. That that hurt my soul a bit. But whatever. We both made it to the top and we both made it back to that car parking lot, just like those old people did. So <laughs> who cares? Yes. And I will say, I think we have well earned our couples massage for tomorrow. Oh yeah, that's that's going to be fun. That is going to be fun. And maybe they can work out your sore ankle now. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully that will help uh, with all the bumps and bruises we got on that hike because I'm still a bit sore. Yeah, I'm feeling it in the legs today. Uh, from that hike yeah but all in all a good a good trip yeah. different yeah different trip but it's a good trip and i like it it's definitely different than florida definitely different than anything you and i have ever done together so this was nice mm-hmm. a lot of different beautiful sights um i'm really excited for the couple's massage tomorrow because you know i like to get spa stuff mm-hmm. um and then flying to california for baby boy's wedding. Yeah, your brother is uh, getting married. It's gonna break my heart, but I'm excited. He went, uh, him and Lauren went today to get their license from the courthouse. Just now? Well, because since they're doing a destination, they have to get it in the California. Ah. Uh, they have to get it from where they're getting married in, gotcha. supposedly. Yeah. So, on a scale of one to, what does the scale go to? One to five? Yes. All right. On a scale of one to five, how would you rate this honeymoon? I would give this a seven star honeymoon, breaks the scale, uh, great first time experience. Uh, We picked the the right time of year to come to Sedona weather-wise. We've had a lot of uh, great food while we've been here, a lot of great sights, um, great driving. So yeah, so it's been a lot of fun. We got a couple more uh, days here, and then we're going to California, and then uh, we'll be back on Monday. So Monday night, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. I think this was the right time as well because there has not been a ton of uh, tourists here. I think yeah. apparently summertime, even though that makes no sense why people would travel to the desert in the summer, but to each his own. Yeah. But yeah, yeah this just when people are, are off, families and yeah. kids. And I mean, I get it. Summer <laughs> vacation. But yeah, if you can take a trip to Arizona in the fall, the weather is actually not terrible. And there's not as many people here. So for everything we've done, we went to the Grand Canyon, every trip we've taken, it's been pretty secluded almost. It kind of feels like we're the only people. <laughs> Yeah, the for the most part, the drive, the roads have been pretty empty for the most part. Yeah, we haven't hit traffic at all. Yeah, so it's going to be pretty good. Pretty good. Well, anything else that we should be saying on our one and only first <laughs> <Yeah>. and last? 
<laughs> first and last honeymooner podcast? Uh, no, I can't think of anything else. Okay. Well, do we need to have some fun sign off? Um, what is your sign off? What do you do? What do you do? Well, we need to say, you know, thank you for listening to uh, Keeping a Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Well, this is not an episode of Keeping a Strong Style. <laughs> I like that you're going to have a sign off as if anybody's actually ever going to listen to this. The deuce. <laughs> what? <laughs> the deuce of podcasting. <laughs> no. No, not the deuce. There will be no deuce leaving. Um, I don't have one though. Did it? Oh, well, I will do the, the old Kenny Omega. Goodbye and good night. Bang. Bang. <laughs>